Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ash Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. And as we try to do each week, we try to provide information regarding business to people. Each week we've been doing this now since January 2017. And some of you don't know this, but our co-host today who's stepping in was our second guest. Wow, wow. So he knows a little bit about the show. He was also my co-host for many years, but he's up into bigger and brighter things going on. So the S. Brian Show, we try to interview either a founder or a startup or try to teach something about business to people each week. That's what we try to do. And S. Brian is spelled A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N. Alex, are you there? Yeah, Mr. Brian Johnson. I hate being in second place, so uh, I have to get rid of that first (laughs) guest you have. You know, I have a question for you, though. Why Brian with an E? That seems kind of strange. I go to the pub a lot, you know, O'Brien's down the street. But <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, I do have a relative who was the first Jewish mayor of Dublin. So, yeah, I do have a little <laughs> Irish in me. But that's not why Brian is spelled with an E. <laughs> there are many reasons, though. One of which is each week we try to educate our audience by trying to teach them something about business. Today's show is going to be very, very interesting. Pretty much AI and marketing and, and analytics are going to be involved. But each week we try to educate people, and so that's one of the reasons why Ask Brian is spelled with an E. Is that the only reason? No, 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 no. Come on, come on. Are you joking? All right. So (laughs) one of the reasons why Ask Brian is spelled with an E is because we get so excited! Woo! Yeah. you got to be excited for what you do in life, right? It's almost similar to passion, but when you're excited, Think of how much easier it is to do something. When you're excited about coming to work, wow, oh my God, I just found out this information. Excitement is the lifeblood. So that's one of the reasons why Brian is spelled with an E. Also, I have a feeling the founder didn't know how to spell Brian. He thought it was Brian was spelled B-R-I-E-N. He didn't realize most people use B-R-I-A-N or B-R-Y-N, but, you know, can't talk for him. He's not too bright. What can I tell you? <laughs> He's a lawyer. Yeah, he's a lawyer. What does he know? (laughs) Well, another reason why we have an E, and both our guests and myself are entrepreneurs, and entrepreneur is an E. And so obviously Brian caters to and tries to help out entrepreneurs build businesses and whatever they can do. So that's one of the other reasons. And in in addition to excitement, which is very, very similar, there's also another one, which I'm not going to go berserko on, which is enthusiasm, which is pretty much equal to excitement. And our co-host, who's not on the show today, she likes Olivia Newton-John, and she always talks about Grease Lightning is electrifying, which I don't understand. I mean, I guess she watched that movie a lot, and so she just thinks that, you know, she's starting those cars and fixing the cars to speed them up so they can run the drag race. And by the way, if anyone would know about that, that would be you, Alex. You probably know how to repair the engine, which begins with an E, and our engineer. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely engines and engineers. But really, if you ask me, there's one more E that's the most important. 
Well, we're going to let you tell everyone. Well, I think that's experts. I think that's what Ask Brian is all about. It's about bringing experts together and being able to talk about business. But what does it take to be an expert on the Ask Brian website? So what we use is we use a formula. I guess it could be in a logarithm, but it's really a formula. And we say that you typically need five years. And why? Because you're typically working 40 hours a week, and you're typically working five days, okay? And then you're typically working 50 weeks a year. You're getting two weeks off. So that's about 2,000. And if you multiply that by five, that's 10,000. But as an entrepreneur, I've not met a successful entrepreneur that is able to work those limited hours. Typically, any entrepreneur that I'm aware of is working 60 to 100 hours a week. So typically, I don't think it's going to take a typical entrepreneur that long. It's probably going to be about two years. But honestly, if you don't have the experience, which is another E, okay, you're really not going to have the expertise to help people. And to help people out, you really need to know something really, really well. And repetition, which is not an E, is how you learn, and that's how you have a great ability to become an expert and to help others and to go through it so that they can get done a lot quicker, which is really what the E is all about. But. So that would be experience that people would have. We're going to have to ask our, uh, our guest today how long she thinks it took her to become an expert and how much experience she has. Does that sound good? I definitely think it sounds good. And uh, by the way, where is the uh, applause buttons or any of these things? I mean, I don't know. Our engineer fell asleep. I get, you, know, you know how it is with screen time nowadays on the iPhones or whatever you do. I know. I know. <laughs> and he's clapping for that. Okay. <laughs> Probably clapping for something else, but that's all right. All right. Well, without any further ado, and I love that word, and the reason why I love it is why. I love it because there's almost all vowels. It's a lot of vowels. That's exactly right. So our guest is Mia. Mia, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Alex and Peter. Great to meet you. And your company is called Clickvoyant. Does that have anything to do with Clairvoyant, or is that just uh, came out that way? Oh, gosh, we're big lovers of puns around here, and clickvoyant is a pun on the word clairvoyant as we measure clicks, but also we're an analytics platform that gets you insight so fast, it feels like we're psychics. Wow, wow. So let's go quickly. What is your background before you got involved in clickvoyant? Before I got involved with clickvoyant, I had a 15-year career in digital marketing analytics, so You know, that's starting way, way back in the days when people would sort of pat my head and say, that data is nice, and send me back off into my corner where they would then go execute on their marketing strategies on instincts. So, yes, I've been doing this a long time. You asked the question, how long did it take me to become an expert? I will say the data is changing so much every year that it's rare to find an expert in analytics and customer behavior, but I have been doing it a very long time. And when you started, I imagine Google Analytics hadn't even come around yet, right? Because that's about 20 years old, so I don't know how long ClickVoyant is. Was it before or after Google? Well, ClickVoyant's really only a three-year company. We are an analytics AI startup, but my career begins since before Google Analytics was or Actually, Google Analytics at that time was a product called Urchin. Wow. So that, that, that's completely so, different. Yeah. Paleolithic era for customer data. That's like our co-host. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That, that predictive behavior of yours is, uh, is easy for us to work with. Thank well, you. That's why you're the only 
guest host I can get when Tracy's around out because everyone has already been, you know, I've used all my puns on everybody else. So, um, (laughs) now did you work at one company? Were you independent before ClickVoyant? What were you doing working for a company or doing it on your own? I was primarily working at big five agencies. So you think about Omnicom, JWT, publicist companies. Very much, you know, as a younger person, wanted to grow my career in data analytics. And those companies were the biggest companies that had the most amount of data. Where I thought, you know, obviously I'm going to do the most amount of good with my analytic skills over there. But those agencies, you know, it, after touching several hundreds of brands from Mattel to Toyota to Google, I quickly realized that what I had wanted to work on were companies that actually react quickly to insights, and I found really my passion in the smaller market, more of the mid-market. So ClickVoyant was started three years ago. Are you the sole founder or are there other founders? There were other founders passing through. But I am the solo founder now. And how did you come up with the concept, you and the group of of other co-founders? Well, you know, when you're working in a a digital marketing agency, you do see a lot of brands. One data analyst is usually seeing maximum four clients. And the industry has grown so much that, you know, the amount of talent required to analyze all the data is deficient. In fact, there's a $200 billion gap in analytics talent right now. So the end result is that, A, there's not enough people to do all the work means that that talent is very pricey, and a lot of companies right. are very pricey for that. Q, the thing that I was experiencing as a director of analytics was talent churn. The average right. churn of a data analyst is 12 to 18 months because – Every analyst who actually pays attention knows that you can get a salary increase of 20% every time you jump ship. So inside a corporation, like it's just very difficult to get an analytics uh, center of excellence off the ground when you're having churn every 12 and 18 months. Alex, you had a question? Yeah, I want to start a little bit with, I mean, it's, it's a great background, by the way, but I, I want to take our audience, our audience are a lot of small and medium business, a lot of them are startups or just starting up, as we always like to say, and they may not understand what the whole data analytics piece is, you know, data-driven decisions, as I like to call it. People may not understand why that's important. You mentioned early on when you were talking about how people used to use gut feel a lot. I think a lot of people still go into a business because, you know, they've seen a gap in the market, right? I mean, always you start a business because, you see there's a need, and then they think they understand it, but often the business moves and the data doesn't support where they're going. So can you talk a little bit about what you mean by data analytics and how that would work with someone? Absolutely. So I'll start out by defining what I think everybody thinks analytics is, and then I'm going to tell you what I think analytics should be. Right now, when we're doing, like, we're all startups, we're doing our jobs to be done, we're understanding what customers say, how do they talk, what do they need, what are their pain points. And when our customers who are startups, SMBs, mid, even up to mid-market, say things like, oh, I just need analytics, I'm going to go get it, I'm going to go buy a dashboard. They think that because I've got these KPIs, these key performance indicators, visits, transactions, leads, closes, that they have checked the box on what data analytics is. And to their credit, 
all of the other softwares out there are pretty much delivering these dashboards and saying, you did it. Analytics is done. You're a data-driven company. But what I believe about analytics is that we've developed this 20 years of bad habits on KPIs and charts and dashboards, and we've missed the analysis part of analytics. What I believe that analytics should be doing is another E, which is creating empathy between the customer and the business. You know, the root word of the word data in Latin is dato, which means to give. And I think about that all the time, and that every click, swipe, gallery view, you know, download, webinar visit is an opportunity for a brand or a company to listen to their customers and try to create that empathy to deliver them the things they need. So what ClickBoya does when I say, what is data analytics? It is an analysis of consumer behavior with all of the marketing touch points along the customer journey to reveal what behaviors are leading to ultimately conversions and customer lifetime value. Yeah, and I, I think you just defined one of the biggest problems that people have today is that they either get the analytics to support what they believe, so, you know, you can always move the numbers to make them believe what you believe, or they get that, as you say, they check the box, but they don't go to the next step and say, what does this mean to me? What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? I'm successful because this is the standard I set for myself, and these are the numbers I'm getting, but why am I getting those numbers, and what would I do to do it? I mean, that leads to the other piece of this, which is always the A-B testing, right? How do you feel about that as well? Oh, it's the lifeblood of any business. <laughs> but what you describe, Alex, like when we say, oh, you know, we, we're manipulating the data to tell our story that we want to tell. That's what my chief operating officer, Scott, says is data driving. <laughs> I'm driving the data. I want Very to, good term. When we say we're data-driven these days and companies say that, they, they're really, it's kind of tantamount to like, I eat my vegetables. Okay, well, you eat your vegetables because you want to optimally perform in your body and aging process, or you eat that piece of lettuce with your Big Mac once a day. <laughs> you know, like, what does it mean to eat your vegetables? What does it mean to be data-driven? And that breaks out into these three categories. One, you're data-driving, like I am manipulating the data to tell my strategic story that I want to execute on. Number two is, and this is the really interesting piece, and I think where most people are, which is something's not right in my analytics solutions. I'm going into the S dashboard. I'm going to that one. I've got this. I mean, you know, startups and SMBs right now, they're so inundated with data that they do not know how to handle. Your e-commerce property, your TikTok, your email, your all these things that we have to do in digital marketing to stay relevant and in touch. It's creating these mountains of data that they just have no experience managing. And so it's always like, I don't know what to do but I also don't know what the solution is. I want to be data-driven. I want to make better decisions, but I don't know what good being data-driven actually looks like. And then the third piece is we are a company that we A-B test all along the way. I will say we've touched so many, like our customer base is usually around e-commerce or, you know, technologies around e-commerce, like B2B technologies. And what we've seen are, you know, big established stores that are not, data-driven at all that are actually more data-driving or they're checking the box in a dashboard, all the way down to the most impressive client that I've ever seen, which is a four-skew product that makes $30 million annually. 
and A-B test one site at least 10 times a month. They're the ones who are like anthropologic about why customers are clicking here, doing that, watching that video, adding this to cart, returning things, subscribing here. It, that is a data-driven company in my mind, and we're just not there yet. And I think, and before I turn this back over to Brian, our host, I think you hit on the one thing that really is probably the biggest problem that people have had in the last five years, and that's that they are really checking the boxes on everything. So when you talk to a consultant to come in 90% of the time or a new CMO comes in or a, a new marketing VP come in, and the first thing they do is they go, are you doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G? Like this is the methodology of how you're going to get customer acquisition and lead acquisition and, and lead gen. And they just, they want to, they want to start with these programs and then look at the numbers. And as long as the numbers are up and to the right, because you haven't done them before, you're doing something, it's the right thing. Rather than analyzing the data and going, should I be doing this? Like, are my customers on TikTok? Are they on Instagram or are they on LinkedIn? Or maybe they're on all, mm-hmm. but let's test and see. And, and they just don't do that. It, it, we've fallen into this pit the same as it was before. You know how it was. You worked with agencies and large companies. There was always that superstar at the agency that knew it all, and they would get all the business. It was he or she, and they were just the ones who had all the great ideas and everything. And if you had enough money, that was the go-to person that you hired from the agency, right? <laughs> But I feel like we're doing the same thing with data. No matter what it says, we're manipulating those numbers and driving that data. That's that's such a great point. Such a great point. I know. I'm going to just offshoot of that and say, in addition to the thing that people don't talk about that I'm only going to say on this show, (laughs) actually people do need to talk about, is there are a lot of high-salaried people in data analytics very happy to let you dictate what they should be doing. And with such a gap, a $200 billion gap in talent, like, that is so irresponsible. <laughs> it is yes. very irresponsible to just say, oh, yep, yep, sure, yep, pay me $250,000 annual year just to make this dashboard for you. Absolutely. Like, that's not helping anything. Not helping. No, but it's, it's, very, it's very common, too. It, it's very common. The grass is always greener on the other side, right? Someone comes in new and they just give you the numbers you want to hear rather than the reason, and that this is what happens all the time. We, we had a question, and you've got all this raw data, and then we're supposed to analyze that data, and then based on that information, come up with a plan or do some form of an action in an A-B test to see how it will work out. So I want from you, if you can try to go over... Give us an example of something that was some raw data. You took that raw data, you analyzed it, you came up with a you know some concept from that raw data and said, let's A-B test this and hit it off the charts. Do you have an example of that? It could be at ClickPoint or the company that you've worked for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, ClickPoint, we talked earlier about what is actually a data-driven company. And I think that the reality is that there hasn't been enough examples. And that's because people are kind of mired in, data architecture, setting things up, tagging for Google Analytics, tagging for Facebook. So we have automated the types of analysis that I talk about. So it's the behavioral analysis that helps lead to data-driven empathy by a company. And examples of this is like, say, okay, I mentioned that we have like a lot of software and a lot of e-commerce properties. In the case of a software, you know, some of the things that we're looking at are what are the behaviors at tiers? You've seen software tiers, high, medium, low. And a startup's 
inclination almost always is, oh, our competitors are lower than us. Let's lower even the lowest price to get this, you know, critical mass of people on this lower price. Well, the analysis starts to look at the conversion rate of everybody who visits the different product tiers and what is the conversion on that. And in the analysis of ClickVoyant, it's like, okay, well, we took a look at the conversion rate. This is so simple that the conversion rate of the landing pages of the different product tiers and discovered that the highest product, the most expensive product, had a 25% conversion rate. And while it had much less volume, it had contributed like three times the revenue to the company and was, in fact, more than half of the whole revenue for the quarter. And by contrast, like when people are novice and don't have an analytics team, they don't see those kinds of things. They don't look, they're not looking at the calculations or even very basic math about this. They're like, oh, you know, highest volumes, top pages. I'm looking at highest volume of transactions, and it was at this, like, $59 mark. And so let's go optimize for that. So the kind of analysis that ClickBoyan is able to provide is like, okay, here's the product mix. Here are what the conversion rates and what the revenue mix looks like, and what does it mean to your business? It's the kind of thing that's like, oh, let's turn around our entire media strategy not to go after this $59 a month product, but to go after the lookalikes for everybody who, in fact, A, convert higher, and B, bring in the most revenue. Another example is uh, another product. Again, like we're talking about startup entrepreneurs. You start up with an idea that this is who my customers are, but the data allows that startup to become Rather than like sticking in this idea that I had and who I think my customers are, the data allows you to watch your product become based on what the consumers are telling you if you have enough data for the consumer empathy. So in this case, like there's a sunglass company. We make performance prescription sunglasses, very high end. We're going to target, you know, athletes who are like semi-pro. We're looking at rowers and skiers and runners and, and that kind of stuff, right? Well, you know, so all of the media spend naturally went in that direction. All of the volume was going into that direction. So the ClickBoyan analysis says, let's take a look at the audience segmentations of who actually is doing it, like male, female, and age ranges. Turns out that a higher age range, ages 55 and older, were spending two more dollars per every website session than their target market. So they made a small amount of total site traffic because they weren't attract, they weren't spending any dollars marketing to them, but they brought in 20% of their revenue. So this kind of like audience segmentation that ClickVoyant does typically would only be available to companies like that if they had an analytics department, which if only 72% of analytics roles can be filled at the enterprise level, nobody's getting that department anytime soon. So it's the side hustle of a marketer. It's the side hustle of, you know, social media manager or a paid media manager. They don't can't do and they don't know the questions to ask. So that kind of thing where it's like, oh, this is another company. Like, hey, let's go interview some of these, you know, age 55 and older buyers. Turns out they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we're retired and we're traveling and we have prescription sunglasses that we need to perform as well. And so they buy more and they lose them. So they buy more quantity. And that just led to an entire business strategy decision about who the buyer actually was. What is the minimum amount of data that you need to be able to make those type of decisions? I mean, obviously, you've got 10 people and two of them were 55 and older. That's not going to be enough. You have to have a certain minimum. What is that, 1,000, 10,000? 
Well, honestly, like I think it comes to the amount of transactions. So like say if you're a software company, you might only have like 10 big transactions in a quarter. So that's not exactly appropriate. But we find that like a revenue metric is somewhere, you know, if you're, if you're a product somewhere above, you know, 1 million in annual revenue or getting there, um, and that's usually a good starting point. But we've seen, you know, even 500,000 annual revenue companies that are doing smaller priced products but have a higher volume to work. So you're saying that you need half a million in revenue pretty much minimum with the data to be able to make these analysis. So what if you're a company and you just started out or you have $100,000 in revenue? Are you saying that you can't analyze it or are you saying that the data is not going to come back with a good enough response rate? Well, I mean, I would say from that standpoint, what ClickPoint is doing is talking about like AI analysis and we're talking about statistical models. You need to have enough data to be able to create a statistical model, but you don't need to have that much data to be data-driven. And by that, I mean, you know, making sure that you're collecting all of the data, making, I mean, for Google Analytics is a free tool. And if you have a website, usually that's an opportunity to understand what people are doing if you're not, you know, a purely-led sales organization. So having these free tools available to you, you know, about if you're spending any kind of money in media, say, for example, or you're doing tests in, in meta, those are the things that you want to capture the data on and start to dig into why people are doing what they're doing. Mia, we, so we do have a question. We do ask every guest on this Legal Steps concept, and that question is, is that something that you could see a value in? And this is kind of analytics, right? So we want to, uh, our sponsor wants us to ask that question. Do you see a value in having a do-it-yourself program that would teach you how to incorporate your business or register a trademark, especially as a founder of a company? Do you see that as a value to you? So I'm definitely going to say anything that is going to help a founder save on legal bills, please. That is that is up my alley. Well, that that's super. Although there is a technical conflict since I am a lawyer and I like to, to get more money, but I do appreciate <laughs> that comment. <laughs> and well, good for you for allowing them to uh, advertise. Absolutely, Alex, are you there? Yeah, and you know my rule on that as well. The, le- the less you spend on legal, the more you can spend on marketing. So, you know, <laughs> and marketing equals marketing equals sales, and sales is good. A true marketer you are. The true marketer you are. Would it be engineering, not not engineering? Yeah, right. What about engineering? No, well, we're already spending half the money on that to start out with, so we don't have to worry about that. So half on on marketing, half on engineering, and uh, nothing left over. Gotcha. All right. Don't worry about sales. (laughs) Sales don't matter. (laughs) Who who cares about net sales? Yeah, so I, I wanted to ask, me a little bit about about the AI part of her business. So I I noticed in in reading through all your information, you know, you, you do your analytics based on AI. Can can you talk more about that? I mean, we all know AI is a hot thing today, but but how does it really work with what you're doing today? Yeah, I think AI is so hot that we probably need a DEI program for artificial intelligence <laughs> now. True. Wow. Probably See, true. Everybody thinks that AI is now a large language model, and if you don't know what that is, that's ChatGPT. ClickPoint's artificial intelligence is something that receives input like ChatGPT, but the way that it gets the answers is very different. You're asking a question. If you want to say, how do I improve my website performance and get better you know, cost per acquisition from every lead? 
ChatGPT, which is a large language model, will start guessing what the improvement should be based on a lexicon of, you know, what people have said over the last 20 years is true. What Clickvoyant does is actually dig into the user behavior with made available by the data that somebody has on their Google Analytics data or Shopify store or CRM, like a HubSpot, and says, do these, the thing that you're asking me to improve, whether it's a newsletter sign-up, a podcast listen, do any of these other things that you market or do correlate, have a mathematic relationship to that end result? And then we quantify that. That's one part of, of an artificial intelligence. That would typically take, that's what, what a lot of call automation. You know, you, we're, we're automating statistical research on the thing that you've asked us to discover. The second piece that Clickvoyant is working on is, you know, analytics is only half math. The other half is relationships, trust, and communication. And so in the world where dashboards no longer are a modern solution, that the communication piece and how we start to develop somebody's relationship with their marketing data is the next piece of AI. Wow. Silence. Alex, I've never heard... I hit the wrong button. Technology. Hey, I've never, I've never heard Alex be silent. I've known him for, yeah. let's see, 17, 18 years, and I've never seen Alex yeah. silent. I was, just gonna, I was just about to mic drop. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it, I, I, I just didn't know what to say, and maybe I didn't hit the button. No, I, I think I knew what to say, but I couldn't hit the button. I think that's really interesting and, and very true. I think if we take a second on AI... It, it's most people think of AI as ChatGPT, as you talked about. I mean, it is the single fastest growing consumer download ever. There's no doubt about it. But as you say, you know, it's, it's not always 100% right, and it's, it's predictive, and it, it does use some algorithms that are interesting to be able to acquire information. But again, like everything else, it's garbage in, garbage out, and it really is not specifically what we call process AI. It's generative, but not process. And so what you're talking about is more of what we consider process AI, which is most people find, other than if you're asking ChatGPT to help you write something, which, uh, you know, there's a bunch of issues on copyright and other things with that, but it really is process AI is, is way, way more helpful to most businesses. And I think what you've done is you've taken this and, and put it into a, a manner where people can use it specifically without having to analyze the data that it analyzes. And, and that, I think, is really a key. So on to that end, how easy is it to use your platform? In other words, you said it's not just a dashboard, but if someone works with you, how easy is it for them to get good results and how long does it normally take? Very easy. You just go in. So right now on our website, there is a free trial at www.clickvoyant.com. Not clairvoyant, clickvoyant. And there you can connect. So the thing that is free to the front end right now to anybody to use is a Google Analytics for data connection. So some of your audience might already know that in two weeks, Google Analytics is pulling the plug on everything that you used to know for 15 years. And they're yeah. introducing this new platform, which nobody knows how to use. So you could go to Clickvoyant, connect your Google Analytics for data, ask it what I'm trying to improve, newsletter sign-ups, webinar views, or a lead gen. 
and then ClickVoint will go to work. Usually in 15 to 20 minutes, you'll get your insights from our front end, and also it exports a PowerPoint presentation with a data storytelling script for somebody less conversant in analytics. So it's doing the two things. One, analyzing your data based on a question, which is where the research really comes in, not just dashboarding. And it's also giving you, I don't know if you notice, like a lot of data storytelling classes coming out, how to tell a data story. The script is all right there in the PowerPoint deck. So that, that's it. I mean, it process AI that you talk about, Alex, it really is that easy. When I've been doing the same job over and over again for 15 years as a director of analytics, it's a ripe thing for disruption. Well, yeah, there's no doubt about that. I just want to mention one piece on that. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I, I built an analytics product for, for looking at networks, and I realized the day that we finished it that what people wanted were not the analysis. They wanted the action. So I, I patented something called a suggestion engine, which basically told them not what was wrong with their network, but what they needed to do to fix it. And it sounds like that's what you're doing, but using a much more sophisticated set of algorithms and AI. So that is fantastic. And I'm already a fan, and I'll be up on your website uh, clicking for whatever I can get for free. So thank you. Well, you'll be on every, any site you can get for free. I got you. I know you will. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mia, spell out the name because everyone knows that your analysis is very clairvoyant, but they know the name of the company is Clickvoyant. So, why don't you spell out Clickvoyant so everybody knows how to get to your site? Sure. It's C L I C K V O Y A N T. And if anybody goes in there right now and subscribes to Clickvoyant, you can get 20% off with the Ask Brian with an E discount code. Woohoo! That's wow. my excitement. Woo, woo, woo! All right. So, and it's not a choo choo train. Sounds like that one. All right. So, <laughs> the, the next question is if somebody wanted to reach out to you, is there a way that they, they can do that? And obviously, don't use your personal email because uh, I don't think you want that. But if somebody wants to reach out to you or communicate, how can they get a hold of you? I mean, if you go just search Mia Umanos on LinkedIn, I'm the only one in the universe as far as I know. Um, you could even Google me and look at old SoundClouds and old MySpace. You know, if you wanted to really go deep and get creepy, you could do that. That's how unique my name is. Well, that sounds so very, very creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and you are unique, so that's a good combination you got there. We don't have a lot of time left, so first of all, I want everyone to know, that if you've missed any part of this show, there's a podcast version that's going to be on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast. That'll be available in about a week or two. You can also watch this on a Facebook Live currently and a YouTube in the next few days. So ask Brian. We have it on every week, 1 to 2 p.m. every Thursday, and we interview a person like me. Although, honestly, uh, you're a very good guest, and we have a very good co-host today. So it's a very, been a great show, and we really appreciate all the time and effort that people are putting in here. I do think that people really – analytics uh, is very important. But on top of that, now you've added on the AI factor, and that's just like pretty much making analytics on steroids. So I think it's a great concept. we got to go. I see my engineer, KHS 1220 98.1 FM, over and out. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.